when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Friends, I did it. After 400 plus hours, my game clock says 442 now, I got every single achievement and into the breach. And now I am, I'm still playing it with the legendary secret squad, which is really hard, really difficult. So suffice it to say, I am fully and completely ensnared in a sort of uh, completionist fever dream with this game. And there is still no end in sight. And I am Danielle Riendo, and this is Waypoint Radio, episode 165. Joining me today are Rob Zachney. Hey, everybody. Patrick Klepek. Hello. And Austin Walker. Hey, how's it going? It's good. And uh, we're talking about completionism in games this the week. Things are terrible. Things, by, things are terrible. <laughs> My kid is like horribly sick, and I might get that disease at any moment. And Austin yeah. is barely standing up. Things are um, terrible. He's not standing up. He's, I might he's, be completing my life currently. It's oh just no! about. I got all the collectibles. <laughs> you got every virus. <laughs> you got to catch them all. You know, Rob. How about you? Are you are you doing okay over there? Uh, I mean, better than these two, I guess. Patrick, <laughs> I thought this was like a juvenile disease that adults were not susceptible to. Uh, it's uh, so my, yeah. So my kid has hand, foot, and mouth disease, which sounds like something from the Middle Ages that is going to kill your kid two hour, you know, twenty four hours later. Um, uh, adults can get it, and I, I, it's uh, not common. But uh, so if you don't know what hand, foot, and mouth disease, it's called that because that's where like the rashes and like scabbing appears. Because, like, you get these, like, really gross rashes, and then they scab over and then, you know, clears up. And uh, it appears in your hand, foot, and in your mouth, like, gross sores that are, <laughs> like, are not fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, apparently adults can get it. And the um, – here, let me let me read from my Facebook um, when I oh, mentioned good. that my kid had it and we had a particularly bad – uh, case of it. Um, a moment. Hold on one second. Uh, here we go. Here we go. Uh, loading. Yes. Oh. Mm. I won't. Uh, I won't name my sources. Um, but uh, I had this as a 32 year old man and wished death upon myself. Um, uh, uh, Content pers- warning for this podcast. The same. The same person found blisters under every fingernail and toenail. Why are you even reading this? Just run from your house. Um, source number two, I peeled the soles off no, my feet. No, gotta stop talking. We in have one stop. peel. I, have I know very we're trying lo- not to interrupt each other anymore, <laughs> but I'm interrupting you. That is it. So, listen, Danica warning. left this week. We can't have violence to feet in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, feet, feet are, are, are sanctified now uh, on Waypoint Radio. I, I am very sorry to hear that. Uh, and, and the world is also falling apart, so... Uh, I guess in, in honor of, of everything terrible and bad, we should do our best to soldier on and talk about games that uh, we can never, ever, ever seem to stop playing. Uh, <laughs> there have been a few things this week. There has been uh, the sort of really interesting story somebody, a reader pointed out about Bloodborne, about people still finding new things in Bloodborne after three years, almost three and a half years at this point. And that had to do with... Uh, chalice dungeons and sort of a, a glitch that was keeping very high-level players out of certain configurations of chalice dungeons. I always find these kinds of stories very charming because it's sort of like somebody really loves something, right? Somebody's very passionate about something, a group of people are very passionate about something, and they're continually finding secrets and learning things about a game that are maybe somewhat unknown even to the people who made the game, which I find to be a weird and arcane and beautiful thing, especially when it comes to uh, Bloodborne. Well, it's, it's like the game is continuing to pay off your investment in it. Like yeah. there aren't many games that I've gotten into that far, but like, uh, you know, years ago 
I got really fixated on, uh, I really liked playing Max Payne 2 for some reason in college. Like, that became one of my comfort games. Uh, it, it was the equivalent of, like, a dumb 80s action movie I would sort of throw on <laughs> and just watch. Um, but the thing is, like, even games like that, a lot of times there's just, like, little little conversations you've never triggered or never heard. And so even the, like, eighth, ninth time through a game, you're still like, oh, I've... I've never heard that before. I've never, never seen that. And that's a really great feeling. Yeah. Austin. Uh, the, um, it, it's a mode of playing that I think it's funny you say Max Payne too, because I think it's like in that same, you know, in that from the SNES really, I would say like from the PS one era through the start of like the 360 era is when I was my most like completionist gamer <laughs> ass gamer. And largely because I felt enabled to do it. I think I think about things like unlockable characters in Tekken uh, or soul caliber or, or any fighting game, uh, alternate endings, um, uh, lots of unlockable things that, that required difficult challenges, things like the resident evil two characters, that you had to unlock the alternate endings in Silent Hill, um, all of those things that were like, there's so many little secrets in this thing. And half the fun was finding them for yourself. But half the fun for me at the time was just like having the FAQ up or having the magazine spread out in front of me that said to get the UFO ending. All I had to do was X, Y, Z, and then like spending a weekend doing that. Um, and I, something about games changed, I think. Like I think um, partially... Uh, I'm saying that the world changed, which is like the one of the reasons I was doing. I was trying to beat the game with every character in Tekken was to see all of their ending videos. And it turns out in 2018 or in two, in 2010, 2011, 2012, I more and more was able to go to the internet to just see those videos, which meant the collecting was less, you know, uh, important in some way. Oh. Sorry, I just hit my my pop screen. I apologize. Uh, I I was so excited to raise my my hand. I I hit the pop screen. (laughs) Uh, There is a a question, and we're not going to questions yet, but there is a a sort of framing question that I thought might be super useful and be a sort of fun exercise uh, for us to do. And that is for each each of us to kind of say a game where completionism hit us really hard, like a specific game where it hit us super hard, and then one where it didn't. Like something where maybe other people got super, super mm. into it, but we were like, I don't know, I spent two hours. I'm I'm good. I've had enough of this. Uh, and I'm wondering, like, maybe we could kind of go around the table and, and sort of share that. I know you just mentioned Tekken uh, for sure, Austin, but do you have one where perhaps uh, other people um, got super, super in and, you know, didn't, you didn't? I mean, I think <coughs> a lot of open world games like all of my friends were trying to get all of the i think about gta 3 or or vice city or san andreas where it was like everyone wanted to get all 100 packages and unlock all of the special equipment and then get all of the unlockable or like the the bulletproof hummer or whatever right there were certain things you could get either as rewards in the game or that in gta 3 vice city and san andreas you could kind of glitch your way into getting where like in this mission it turns out that this car you have is bulletproof and fireproof and explosion proof and if you like fail the mission just so it won't despawn out of the world and you can put it in your garage and keep it and what I would do is like pick one or two of those things or like a certain number of packages that I want. Like, oh, I want to get 40 packages because you get the rocket launcher for that or whatever. Like, that's the reward I need. I don't need all of them. And so I was always very tied to results. Like, I wanted collectibles. I wanted challenges. I wanted those things. But to get something else to then return to the kind of main through line of the game with and like play with. You know, I was never the sort of person who was just collecting for the sake of collecting they're all they're always going to be some reward for sure patrick how about you what's a what's a game that got that it's hooks into you and then something that was uh not i I, yeah i've never been that person i've Mm. uh, i've written about this a lot over the years this is true uh as an adult was true as a kid i find collection for collection's sake to be like a very boring endeavor like i i need a carrot at the end of it like i guess similar to to Austin, um, uh, but often, like, even in, like, Grand Theft Auto and things like that, like, I remember, yeah, I, I was in similar circles where people want to get the packages, but, like, it wasn't, f- like, it was both not fun to do, and the game didn't help you at all in doing so. Like, I get really frustrated in games that have collectible aspects that don't, like, 
attempt to help the player to do that. Like I, I like at the end of at the end of a game, it should unlock a tool that's like, hey, I mean, here's all this shit. If you want to go find it, like here's an easy way to go do it. If you just want to like dink around the world, but at the point that you're like looking up YouTube videos and like pulling up facts and like the screenshots or like go to this corner and this is how you get this thing. Like I just find that I don't find that particularly compelling i find that to be like the kind of bulk uh, uh sort of like fluff the game the game designers put in games because they want you to stick around but there's actually no satisfying thing and in some ways they're exploiting the psychology of players in a way that like i try and push back on um i think skyrim was maybe the, cl- the closest i ever got to something like that i and it was mostly because by the time i finished like 100 hours in it i had uh, gotten most of the achievements and i was like oh okay like, maybe i'll just try and get the last couple just like because it'd be interesting to have one game where I've actually, you know, achieved all of the uh, uh, achievements. Um, but one of them glitched out and I couldn't get it. And I said, well, fuck this. Like, this is why I don't do this stuff to, to begin with. <laughs> there was never like an RPG where you were like, I am going to get every single side quest and hear every nugget of narrative in this in this fucker. Like, there, no, I you mean, never had games, that? I, I, like, Final Fantasy, like, when I was a kid playing, like, Final Fantasy VII, where I didn't have other games to play. But, like, I consider that sort of backed into a corner because I didn't have other things to do, <laughs> as opposed to, like, like, maxing out the clock to get Knights of the Round Table in Final Fantasy Seven was more like a product of circumstance. It was like, oh, it's the summer. I have unlimited time. I like Final Fantasy Seven. You have to basically put in unlimited time to get these chocobos to fuck, <laughs> so I can get that spell and then uh, beat the shit out of Sephiroth. I don't it. know FF Seven as well as I thought I did. <laughs> there's, cho- there's chocobo fucking. Um, yeah. There's, the- um, uh, so yeah, like that was. I mean, you're like there are yes, there are games where I've done that, but it was. I look back on that more as like, oh, like if I had the options I had now, like I wouldn't have done any of those things that was mm. more uh i've got final fantasy 7 or i've got final fantasy 7 or i could like try and get to or i could try and well, get tofu and resident evil 2 again but i just wasn't good enough to do it though <laughs> that, that actually the reframing of it by rob as like side quest stuff the one for me the actual one for me <laughs> that even now i would still try to 100 percent or like complete all of the side quests 100% is such a vague thing with RPGs because, like, does that mean getting every weapon? Does that mean getting... You know what I mean? But then I would complete my mission board is Mass Effect 1. I've replayed Mass Effect mm. 1 two or three, to- three times. It's the most I've ever replayed a single game, probably, that isn't, like, a beat-em-up or something. You know, isn't a single-sitting game. Um, and I don't know how to play that game in a way that isn't completing all the side quests. Like, all of them, even the ones I know how they end, even the ones where I'm doing them the same way I did them before, even the ones where I know that I don't think that they're particularly good quests, I still, even the all of the, the Mako stuff on the on the different planets, like, all of it, I complete everything 100%. All right, I, I haven't played that game in five years all the way through, but if I pick it up again today, I would want to do it all the way through. And that is that is probably the only game that's ever done that for me. And, and actually, including collectibles, including all of the, like, the whatever, Space Marine dog tags and the, the, uh, the what are they? The, um, uh, what species is Liara again? Why am I blanking? Asari. Sick. Asari. All the Asari <laughs> relics that you find. All of the little collectibles. They give you maybe like a little hint of narrative, but like most, even some of them are just <laughs> fucking collectibles. I just like, because I wanted to be like, all right, I'm fucking done with this planet. There is nothing else on this planet. I've, it's done. I can move on. Uh, and that is that is my, my one real completionist uh, mark in my life, I would say. Awesome. Rob, how about you? okay um so the thing is i'm all about like getting all that narrative i want to hear all the story dialogue i want to see all the character relationships that are possible yeah. and like talk to people you know just see you know what kind of rich world and narrative uh, a game builds which brings us to the witcher one sex cards sure um <laughs> sure. sure does so Oh, I should have mentioned, that's also what I got obsessed with. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'm glad I'm not not alone on this one. Uh, Yeah, so The Witcher 1 um, was a really interesting game and a really weird game and a really flawed game in a lot of ways. But one of its quirks uh, is that in the middle of its, like, grim, dark, low fantasy aesthetic and tone, or maybe not in spite of it, but because of it, uh, every time uh, Geralt... Uh, slept with someone in the world of The Witcher 1, uh, instead of like a sex scene, you got a little like 
trading card, um, <laughs> usually featuring the nude portrait of the character that you just slept with. Uh, and there were a lot, like more than a baseball team's worth of, uh, of, car- of cards you collect in this Geralt. game. You know, well, you know, the thing Don't is... Don't shame Geralt. Or, or yeah. rather Rob... Rob. <laughs> well, so at first I was like, this is very tacky and doesn't agree at all with my sensibilities about the way this game should be played. But then I was like, and yet there's these cards and you collect them. Uh, and also, usually to collect these cards to sort of spark these sort of romantic encounters with these characters, there's usually some other story shit you've got to go through. And so... You know, after the third or fourth, like, random milkmaid uh, in various villages in this world, I was like... Well, uh, uh, that's... I pulled a list up, and I expected to be... I'm like, It's like Triss. I'm like, oh, that's a... Yeah, I know who Triss is. You know... Um, the cat in the Triss portrait is... How do you even have that on deck, Rob? My point this is... This is hilarious! Okay. My, it's the point in is his like, deck! That's why it's Triss, on deck. Vesna, all right. Thank you, thank you. Good, Abigail. But then it does just become half elf's romance card, the <laughs> prostitute's romance card, uh, noble. These characters are their names, Rob. Oh, oh. He doesn't spend, remember didn't spend their long names. Enough time with them to find out. Well, look. I mean, they sort of, but they—you they, may not have known their names, but they were sort of like. Uh, important characters to sort of give the perspective of an entire faction. You know, elvish resistance fighters hiding in the woods. You had a sort of ship passing in the night encounter with uh, one of them. Uh, in in the process of which, you came to understand their struggle a little bit better. Okay. Uh, so really, I was uh, building the rich lore of The Witcher as I sort of built my deck. But the thing is... You read it for the story, the articles. I get it. You were playing it for the articles. Yeah, and I started getting really, like... The vampire one is actually really tricky to get, and that was like, all right, it's walkthrough time. Uh, because it's really easy to accidentally kill the vampire lady. Um, so you got to be really careful that you don't kill her, and instead murder her whole family um, to gotcha. show that you don't judge her for being a vampire. You're cool with that. It's their bigotry that's the real problem uh so you know to them but i started to feel like maybe this had gone too far when there's this really like dark quest you get later in the game you go to a village on the eve of like an important wedding day like the village headman's daughter is marrying some uh local rich kid but there's this entire like really like it's well written, but it is a dark subplot uh, that turns into a series of murders uh, as like the love quadrangle that sort of cleaves this village in half results in a series of like killings and then hauntings. Um, But in the middle of that, Geralt decides as long as he's here, he might as well bed the sister who (laughs) murdered uh, her, the the aspiring bride. Um, and so once I got that card, and then later that character, in a fit of uh, grief and uh, shame, and of course being haunted by the ghost of her sister, uh, sort of kills herself and becomes a wraith in her, you know, in herself. I was like, I'm not sure Geralt made the situation better. No, like, I'm, not, I'm not sure that, that Geralt sleeping with someone involved in the situation improved things. Maybe this is a card I should have left on the table. But I got it. You complete the set? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's, there's you can't get them all in one playthrough because um, you have to make some hard choices. Uh, but I did... I did about as well as I could. Funny thing, though, about that game, it's also a game where other forms of completionism caused me to, like, it basically took me three tries to get through that game because The Witcher 3 has one of those mid-game, it's not really a slump, but there are so many things you can do and so many things that are optional that it's very easy to just, like, kind of ruin it for yourself because you're taking so long to get back to the A-plot that you're just completely Mm -hmm. mired in collecting random sex cards or doing random favors for minor characters in the edge of a swamp for no good reason. Doesn't Witcher 2, uh, if I remember, I didn't play 1, but I played 2 at the insistence of Vinny Caravella so someone else could talk about the Witcher instead of having himself talk to himself about the Witcher. (laughs) Um, 
the Witcher 2 like branches in like a really weird way, right? Where you essentially have to like there's a halfway through the game, you make this big choice like an alliance or, or something mm-hmm. like that, and then you essentially the second half of the game like there's a version you just don't see. Like you you pick a path and there's whole parts of like storylines and characters and content that is just you will never see. You cannot unlock it. You cannot go back. Like you just pick a path, and then you either have to have a, have a save where you go on that branch. But like the game's like is very explicit. We're like this isn't this is like a, a road of no return. And it's not just an end game decision. Like ah, here's the ending. It's like no. Like you're just not going to see huge amounts of shit we built for this game if you make this choice. So that was like really like a fascinating way because most games, all games that aren't The Witcher Two. Like, don't handle stuff that way. Like, there's some... Yeah, you might not see a character or a quest line play out differently, but they're not, like, going to say, you're just not going to see towns and characters and fights. That shit's all gone if you go down this path. Um, and that yeah. game is, like, extremely unique in that way. Yeah, if you play The Witcher 2, it has sort of this um, chapter structure where each chapter takes place in, like, a different hub area. And I think, like, after Chapter 3 or something, the Chapter 4 zone, you get one or the other. And so you either think it's you either throw in with the Elvish rebels, or you continue on with your loyalist commando buddies. Uh, and it changes what that middle chapter is. And there's an entire there there's an entire chapter basically. Uh, you sort of swap one out from the other, and that's very much to that game's. That's part of that game's theme is that there's a lot of choices that are irrevocable. Uh, it does it again in the end game where like you have to make some hard choices about what your friends will be twisting and who you step up for. That is like one of the most interesting things about this topic for me is the way in which you there are games that include that sort of of exclusionary uh, choice that then encourages a certain type of player, um, including me sometimes, <coughs> who wants to see it all to then say like, oh, no, I'm going to go back and like I want to explore every nook and cranny Um but then there are games that make me like go like no actually this is the one time so like Undertale is a game that I really like and that I'll never play again based on like the the conclusion that I reached because that game specifically in a very meta way is very aware of the player uh, and it it feels like somehow a betrayal to that game to be like all right cool everybody's chill now I got like the best possible ending after you know replaying it three times. But I didn't see all the dialogue. Everybody get back in the box. Make me happy again. Like, that feels like this very weird betrayal of that game. But that's not the only, like, that isn't the only game that does that for me. Like, Mass Effect is a game where, like, I'm happy to replay it a bunch of times. But for whatever reason, I don't think I would ever want to replay Dragon Age Inquisition. I got the story I, I wanted from that, and there's lots I didn't see. Um, and I'm curious because Patrick, you recently said vampire, vampire, vamp, vampire, 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 uh, also does the thing where it's like, there's more content here than you can see because quests will just end or because choices you make will lock off paths. And sometimes it does it well from what you've said and sometimes it does it poorly. Yeah. It's but, a, uh, but how does that yeah. make you feel all said? Well, that stuff doesn't like it doesn't bother me in that way because like I'm fine like I don't replay games like I, I ninety nine point nine percent of the games I play I consider like my playthrough to be canon and I don't worry about maybe I'll look at some stuff on YouTube like there's like big ending shifts but I don't worry too much about that stuff but uh, with Vampire it's uh, like it's part of its problem and it's like sort of a flaw that's like throughout a lot of the games so like interconnected systems is it's just not clear how those systems connect so that when you reach a fail state uh it's not sh- you're not clear why you why you got there like you're not sure why this system was talking to that system and so when sort of a fail state occurs where the game will say like hey like you resolve this quest line uh or like this the way the game's conversation structure works is that you're constantly finding, like, letters or a conversation with someone else will illuminate what they call a hint. And that mm-hmm. opens up a new line of dialogue with another character. So you're constantly running between characters all around the city, um, like, collecting hints. And then, like, that's a reason to run through another part of the city, talk to all these characters again, and you're building up uh, new lines of dialogue with them. And that's built into the system of uh, blood. And you use blood to upgrade uh, your character, and the more hints you find for a character, the more like their blood is worth, and that's just a way of like encouraging you to like engage with this system. But occasionally, you can, for example, the game won't tell you you're making a choice, and then you'll make a you'll make a choice, and right. then it'll say hint failed, which is the game essentially saying like this path 
is now like not is blocked off for you. But you're like, wait, was that a cho-? like? What do you mean? Like failure constant is like insinuates you did something wrong as opposed to have made a choice that just this means this path is no longer available to you. And so the game's like like the ver- like the language it uses is confusing because you didn't fail. You just chose to like resolve a conflict this way. Um, and so it's stuff like that that is frustrating to me because uh or or there's other instances where the dialogue what you choose is definitely not how your character acts like there are moments in you know uh, the the idea of like being very charming and suave is a uh like very much tied up in vampire lore and that is a part of this game and there'll be instances where you can institute a charm which is basically using like vampire mind control you are not (laughs) fucking charming you are just tricking this person into doing something but you can there's like instances where you'll do charm and then do something despicable that seems counter to what you're trying to role play as or what you thought the dialogue would end up as so those are instances where uh like the i think what i've seen a frustration amongst players is a frustration that the the paths you are let down the, the the way things are resolved don't necessarily feel in line with the like the, the the selections you're making along the way or you things kind of come out of nowhere but I'm the game up front is very clear like there's no save states it is just a game that is con- constantly saving and it says up front like the reason we structured the save system in this way is because like when things go weird or wrong, like we want you to live with these consequences. Like this is your playthrough. Like we're not giving you the option to like have uh, a, a non-canonical playthrough. Like unless you play this game again and try to make different choices. Like the whole idea behind this is that you have to live with that stuff and the stuff that you didn't expect. Because even when you're making choices that uh, are intentional, right? So like the the way the game, uh, one of the other systems are structured is that all, like players are or character NPCs are connected in social circles. So like you can pull up this big map and it says like these characters connected to these characters and then they're connected to a district and there's sort of like a, a person who's at the center of that district and you you'll encounter NPCs that are like very clearly evil. You'll encounter NPCs that are ambiguous. You'll encounter NPCs that are good. And if you want to power up your character so that you can make it through the story stuff, at a certain point you basically start needing making decisions on who should die. Mm. But when you kill people, um, that influences sort of like the status of that that area. So it's like you'll like send it into conflict. There'll be more disease. Um, and when you, in order to upgrade, you have to go into a bed, you pick your upgrades, and then you need to sleep. The only way the upgrades apply are if you sleep. And when you sleep, then time moves forward in the game. Gotcha. So when you're, actually, when you're playing, everything is at a standstill. You can run around for as long as you want. There's no day-night cycle. Time does not progress. But the moment you want those sweet, sweet upgrades so that your claw attack does more damage, uh, you have to sleep. And that's when the game goes... And now the consequences are going to start playing out. Um, so that's what's really interesting. And I think the way it locks stuff off is is fascinating. I think the frustration, and I'm curious if other folks have encountered this, is like when games, like, I'm fine with games locking things off, but I, I want to understand the logic behind mm-hmm. it. And so then when games don't communicate their logic, I think that's when players get frustrated. And I think that's one of the frustrations with with this game in particular. So let's take a really quick break. We're going to take a break, and we're also going to listen to a very quick ad for the second season of Science Solved It. So stick around. We're going to take a quick break, and you're going to hear a promo for that. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying this show, then you should really check out Science Solved It, Motherboard's show about the world's greatest mysteries that were solved by science. Season 2 begins June 26, and it covers topics like chemtrails, Antarctica's blood falls, scuba diving flies, and even meat showers. Check out Science Solved It, hosted by me, Kaylee Rogers, with new episodes every Tuesday. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I really need to play it. Everything I've heard about Vampire says it's 100% my shit. And I respect it when games do that. I actually really like when games, even if I get frustrated, it's a decision I pretty much always respect. 
as a, okay, you made a decision game. Instead of just yeah. making me feel like the most powerful person in the universe who can do anything all the time, I actually have to live with something. Uh, even though I have absolutely been guilty of save scumming, especially in Mass Effect games, so I could romance everyone, uh, because I definitely did that in uh, every <laughs> Mass Effect. You could romance anyone in. Uh, I definitely did a lot of that. Because, well, in, in, yeah. in Vampire, what people are doing is just the, they're save scumming by hacking. By I mean, I'm oh, not hacking, yeah. but they're going, you know, going into yeah. the game's file structure, which is you can only do this on PC. Right. This is not something you. Could, I guess you could. I guess you could upload. You're yep. saved to the cloud so that you essentially have one local and one mm, in the like cloud. Yeah. Um, but people are, are finding ways to uh, do save scumming by like manipulating the file structure, even though the game is. And th- so I think that shows the lengths to which people feel actually uncomfortable with choice, even in a game that's saying, hey, like we are going to structure this so that you have to live with choice. And yet players are still going to find ways to say, well, but like, what if I could see it the other way? Um, and there's only so much you can, as a developer, that you can do. Like, you can't stop people from going in and, like, you know, copying and pasting a save into a different folder. Yeah, absolutely true. Um, <clears throat> briefly, on, on, on sort of the, the point, Austin, you were making before about Undertale, especially. Uh, most of the time, I am either... Uh, I, I don't waver too much uh, in the middle ground. I am either... I want to play it something to 100% and see absolutely everything and see every nook and cranny and play with every toy and play with every permutation of every toy, which is me with Prey, it's me with Into the Breach, it was me with uh, uh, Breath of the Wild, even. I I didn't 100% that game. That is a a ridiculous undertaking to get (sighs) 900 Korok seeds, but I came close and I got all the sort of extras to get the special ending and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But there is occasionally, very occasionally, something that feels to me like such a singular and special experience that I'm like, I played it once and I'm good. And that was actually gone home for me. Like, I, I never actually picked it up again after... Uh, playing, you know, I watched some Let's Plays and I certainly read a lot about it and, and sort of engaged with that. But I played it once, uh, you know, the week before it came out. I, I put my computer down and I stared out the window for like an hour uh. and a half, like in silence. It was one of those where it was just like it was special for me. So I kind of want to leave it in a certain that, way. And there's been a few games like that, but that's kind of the big uh, one for sure. That is is a particularly interesting example because that's a game that has secret stuff in it narratively if you p- dig around the, enough um the stuff in the base i remember specifically around the time when that game first came out austin that i think yeah. you got into sort of a public dialogue trying to piece together something about the grandfather the, the, or the father the, yeah the dad's dad the grand there, the there was one, it was it yes. was one of those like c plots where you had to put together yeah, a bunch of information it's a great plot, and it's I. This is like the only bit of detective work I've ever done, but I cracked it. <laughs> I was the first person publicly to crack what was happening with the with Oscar, um, yep. and wrote about it, and then like got confirmation from that. This is like long before Steve Gaynor and I like would DM each other Talk. about cyberpunk <laughs> shit. Sometimes, do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like wrote about it, and that was super fascinating for me because. I, I mean, like, the, the way I framed writing about this on my blog at the time, God, this was so many years ago, was like, I didn't want to write this about this game. I wanted to write about, like, how cool the queer romance was, or, like, how fun it was for me that new people were expor- experiencing this sort of narrative-driven, you know, game design, or, like, how cool it was that a team that had worked on a Bioshock games had, like, moved on to make something without any combat. And instead, it's this, like, there's this really fascinating story about abuse and forgiveness and, like, um, and coming to terms with abuse, uh, that, uh, with one's own abuse, um, and, and kind of finding, uh, kind of healing over time that is in this game or in that game, uh, between two characters. It's kind of just completely in the background. And it's like that, that game does not have an achievement for piecing it together. There's no, <laughs> you know, it, it could you, have. You looked at six images and then, haha, you've solved the Oscar mystery. Right. Like, but they, they could have <laughs> done the thing where it's like, if you figure it all out, you'll understand that these five numbers are important. And then you could open the secret safe and then you'll really understand. And that will, or like, and that will signify that you cracked it. And they don't do that at all. It's just in the background. It's just in the background. And if you figure it out and you put pieces together, it is its own reward in that sense. Um, and I really like that and would love. Well, I mean, Immersive Sims, Welcome to Waypoint Radio, we're going to say the word Immersive Sim, <laughs> tend to do this more than a lot of games. Um, 
but also like other media does this a lot, right? Like fiction is a genre in which there are sorts of C plots that don't necessarily take on the main, the main, uh, don't take on the, the weight of the main plot, but can have a lot of importance to you as a reader. And I wish it's just the thing that games did more because I think that example of Gone Home shows how well they could do it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I mean, to be clear, I spent like four and a half hours in that single playthrough in a, in right. a two hour game. <laughs> but right. yeah, totally. I, I totally. completely, completely agree. I think that is an incredibly satisfying thing and it, absolutely like a reason to give that game a second thought, even if, if maybe I, I, I stayed away from actually physically playing it again, necessarily. Cool. I will, uh, I'll link that piece in the show notes. I'll give yeah. you the link to put in the show notes because I think it's one of those things that like that no one talks about that plot line, you know? So. Right. I, that was one of your first things that I remember reading. I was like, oh, I think it was like one of the first times we ever talked. This guy's yeah. smart. <laughs> piece it together. It's, it's, there was a, a divide, right? I could have gone on to become a YouTuber who solved game, who did like, Oscar explained. Right, exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And that was the growth industry. That's it was. Oh, you I could you should have just I absolutely should have. My, yeah. Uh-huh. Narrative yep. sins with Austin Walker. Oh, oh my god. god. Just the old family with a dark past trope. I hate this so much, Rob. How do you just have this again? You just have it on deck. Uh and you're wearing like a suit and shades in each one. I hate like, this. I hate this so much. In the background, yeah, in the background for some reason. Yes. Mm-hmm. For some reason. And a bunch I of like wish... shitty, bad Stephen King novels. This is that America. You, like, stack where up. Could pay your rent for a year. Listen, words have meanings, guys. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I mean, speaking of speaking of words have meanings, uh, we should probably go to the uh, the old question bucket here. We've got some really good ones. I have a couple of shorter questions from Twitter, and also there was a, qu- a proper question bucket yeah. question as well. I think that an was, older one. It was ninth in the bucket. Oh my! Oh Lord. boy! So, All right, here um, we go. Well, it's relevant. Device Gaming's new podcast presents. Wait, the question ninth from bucket. the top. From the top of the bucket. Who was it from again? What's the What's the name? Haley? Of it? Harley, Hale- rather Harley, Harley from Harley. Michigan. Harley. Harley from Michigan. Oh, let's I'll see get, what the data is. I'll on get this. you a date on this because it's not going to be good. Piecing it together. Um, Piecing it together. Okay, this immersive is, sins. Okay, this isn't so bad. This is from November of 2016. Right. Oh, that was a oh, month that. into Waypoint proper. What yes. day in November of 2016? <laughs> November 5th, okay. 2016. Yeah, listen, close oh, enough. Shit. Oh shit. All right, so Harley uh, wrote in two years ago saying, problem completing games. I have a problem completing video games. To preface, I moved to a new state in late 2014. Before I moved, my best friends were my roommates, and I would play games on a TV in our shared living room. I don't know if it's the sense of having an audience or just having somebody to push me to go further, but the last game I can remember beating was Dark Souls 2 sometime during that year. Since I've moved, I play games in my bedroom alone. I still have fun playing games, but I've noticed a bit of a pattern. I get a lot of enjoyment out of Stardew Valley, Overwatch, Civ 6, Final Fantasy 14, Pokemon Go. Games where you can put in time without having to beat some kind of story or campaign. Since I moved, I've bought uh, Pokemon Omega Ruby, Pokemon Sun, Titanfall 2, Witcher 3, Dark Souls 3, and I can't beat a single one of them. These are games that I know I enjoy, but there's just some sort of mental block that prevents me from playing them anymore. Any suggestions for getting over this? Thanks, Harley from Michigan. Oh, Harley. Yeah, it's Har- tough, Harley right? set the bar a little high, though. I think, I think Harley, one thing, if you really, really want to get over this, first of all, it's not necessarily a problem if you're playing uh, exactly. different types of games. Like, lives change. I definitely have some, you know, I certainly have a lot of tastes that have carried through, but, I, you know... Baby Tactics Gamer, I started playing new types of games for sure. But if you truly want to have that sort of uh, that feeling of completion, of completing a story experience, you might want to try something a little shorter than The Witcher 3 uh, or Dark Souls 3. I guess Titanfall 2 maybe that had a pretty uh, standard length campaign, the 15 hours or so. Uh, but maybe something maybe something in the 6 to 10 hour range might, might help you feel like... Again, only if you really feel like this is actually a problem in your life or, or you're missing that sort of sense of satisfaction. Just just set the bar a little bit lower. Just just go with that maybe and, and, and see if you can kind of go from there. What do you guys think? I think it's a great way of handling it, honestly. Like it's um 
letting your side, I am the number one champion or I do my best to be a champion of letting your taste change and, and letting yourself not complete things. Um, and I even did that when I was like a broke ass grad student. Um, it's, it's why like, despite people abusing the system, sometimes I'm glad steam has refunds now because there are so many games I bought and we're like, I'm 90 minutes into this and I know this isn't for me. I guess I'll just eat this, but I'm not going to force myself to play through it. I do think it can be hard to be in the moment that Harley is talking about where it's like, I know I should like this. I I always <laughs> like games like this. Why is this one not? Why do I not want to play this and want to go to it? And I think it's what you just said, Daniel, which is like sometimes you're in a different part of your life and, and you might wrap back around. Um, I, so I'd say that is like there's nothing wrong with putting something back onto a pile of shame and be like, I'll come back in three months and try it again and, and dip my toe in and see if it changed. Like So that's that's definitely where I'm at, like you. Any other advice for Harley, or should we move right along? No, I think that's good. One more thing there, which is sometimes you buy a game because you want to support something, and you want to get something out of it. Don't feel bad about, like, buying it and be like, I'm just going to watch all the cutscenes on YouTube. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I can imagine being the... I have bought the first Nier. I'm never going to play that fucking game. (laughs) But I will watch lore videos, and I will watch cutscenes. But, like... You know, like, that's the sort of thing where it's like, I want this in my collection, or I want to support this. And there are times when I, like, don't beat yourself up over it. Uh, There are times when it's like, hey, this is a thing I want to have, even though I might engage with it differently than grueling my way through 30 hours of something that I'm not in the place for right now. Yo, but what if they did a remake? (laughs) They should do a remake. I would play play near if they cleaned it up. If they cleaned it up, but like they cleaned it up and tightened it up, maybe I don't want it. It's so long. Have you looked at how long to beat on that game? It's it's It's, well because it's it's like it's like the new one. You've got to you can't just beat it once. But like, and also my understanding is it's not as much like the new one where each playthrough really. It's not different. You're just playing. You just can hear. You find out the things you've been killing can talk, and then you just feel bad about it because you can hear the dialogue for another thirty hours or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, all I know about that game is the book thing, the the fishing book thing that Justin McElroy published once, and I was like, no, I, I can't, I can't do this to myself. I get frustrated, you know, gets in the way of my life sometimes. He was very, he was very mad at that book. I, uh, I've look often that up wondered you... whether or not Justin McElroy was madder at the fishing in Nier or at on Orlando, given that he oh. wrote a song about. He wrote a song about both. He yeah, I think, about both. I think he did. I think that seems oh, right. Just yeah. keep running past the arrows, man. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's fine. I like Don Orlando. Anyway, that's very fair. Uh, we have a question from Aaron Boom on Twitter, uh, who says, "How do you feel about completionists, or not necessarily into all the collectibles, but rather finding the secrets the game has to order uh, has to offer?" Uh, and then linked the piece from The Verge from Patricia Hernandez. Now with The Verge, uh, about Bloodborne and about sort of uh, folks who have, again, like we opened up on, uh, continually, continually continue to uh, plumb the depths of the game, uh, which we already talked about a little bit, but it, it did make me think a little bit about speedrunning. Uh, and SGDQ uh, is coming up really soon. I think it's starting tomorrow, maybe Sunday. Uh, tomorrow. Very, very soon. Tomorrow, Ooh, probably. It? I think it's tomorrow. Opening on Banjo Tooie, which is very exciting, mm-hmm. uh, and that's another thing I've really enjoyed in my life without necessarily uh, being engaged actively in speedrunning. I don't actively speedrun anything, although Into the Breach maybe sometimes calls my name <laughs> occasionally. Um, you should do it. I we'll see. I don't think I'd be good, but you know, I could try it. Uh, but sorry, the the point I'm trying to make is that speedrunning uh, seems to be another way of sort of engaging with this. Yeah, go ahead. Seems well, like, like the thing that's there. so interesting about the Bloodborne one is I don't even know if that's a it is a secret or it is hidden. There are this makes me want to go into like my like deep philosophy, try to find the right German word self, where <laughs> it's like there is a distinct difference between. For instance, the final boss of the Chalice Dungeons, who was a specific character in the lore, who the developers put there for you to eventually discover and and was hidden for you, who was hidden actively for you. Then what happened in this Bloodborne story, which for people who haven't read the story, there is a thing in Bloodborne called Chalice Dungeons, which are sort of procedurally generated 
uh, Bloodborne dungeons. They're made from like um, pieces. They're like, made from like, pieces. They're like room yeah. pieces that get yeah. placed together. Um, and uh, they have <clears throat> a, a set of bosses they can pull from, a set of enemies they can pull. It's a bunch of pulls that then kind of get, you know, you kind of just dip your hand in one pool and put out, pull out this weird boss who has two giant axes. Then you also, you know, reach your hand in another pool and it puts together a room where there's a poison a, a trap or whatever, right? And what players realized was one of the high-level dungeon types, there's a bunch of different, like, categories... It's called Isiv. Is- the Isiv. The Isiv. Izzle. Isiv. Izzle. 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 Dungeon was only pulling from certain subsets for them. Like, it's supposed to be able to have like 164 variations, you know, that you can extrapolate in a bunch of different ways, but they were basically doing the same 32 variations over and over and over and over again. I'm, I'm really streamlining this explanation, but. They then figured out how to get to that other stuff. And people, as they've described it, are pretty sure that this is not like – this wasn't hidden in this way for a special reason. This is just a quirk of the way the game was made. And that still makes it a secret, but it's a secret in this other way that like – that things in the world can do this all the time. Or, you know, I feel like archaeology, this happens in archaeology. It's not that someone built a tomb and hid a thing in a, spurt, in a certain way. It's like, hey, there was this weird crash and something got buried at a certain place or whatever, right? Like, that does happen. But it seems very unique to games in the in the speedrunning uh, way that you just talked about, which is like, sometimes the way things are programmed, there are hidden things in there. There are secretive things in there, things you don't know about, things that aren't on the surface. And if you dig around, you can find it. Um, and that's fascinating for me because it is so different than... Uh, you know, than something hand placed. Well, and, yeah. and, and oh, you know, part of the thing about the Souls games is that, uh, like, they don't generally that studio does not explain themselves or their decisions. Like, you can go read, you know, there are interviews with Hidetaka Miyazaki, and there are art books that will sometimes fill in some of those gaps. But you know, unlike a lot of other studios, they don't. They're not going to come out and say like, "Well, here's why we did this." And so, a lot of the sort of like archaeology of the Souls games is trying to understand like what makes From Software tick. It's how it's how they structure their story, and it's also how they're like the way they structure their storytelling is like there's a direct line between then how players treat like digging into the game. Like the Demon Souls and Dark Souls are still. Like, Bloodborne is not unique. Like, three years in Bloodborne is, like, actually, you know, six years, seven years in Dark Souls where players are still <laughs> finding, like, things by opening up a debug mode and then, like, finding explanations for why certain things were cut or why certain decisions were made. And so I think a lot of, uh, like, the specific From Software, like, Souls lineage comes from, like, just realizing that From is very deliberate in what they choose to include and and to not include. And so players like pushing up against those boundaries and trying to find the explanations and why they chose to not include certain things because there's usually a rationale um, behind it. So uh, I think think part of the way those games are structured uniquely lend themselves to an audience that then wants to uh, sort of keep plumbing it in in a different way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and even as a, as a somewhat more general point, uh, some of that is so fascinating to me because it gives you so much insight about how the game was made and how, what design decisions were made, what programming decisions were made, whether or not it was sort of by chance or, or, or this was the easiest fix at 11 p.m. on a Friday, a week before yeah. shipping the game. Okay. Well, we're going to put this random number generator in this. And then that creates an entire glitch. I, I spent hours last <laughs> night actually watching Perfect Dark and GoldenEye speedrun explanations cool. uh, that were that went into sort of the math of how lucky this one speedrun was because in this Perfect Dark level, this one enemy will spawn in this place and then this one enemy will clone itself. And if you can get this guy really quickly, this guy will clone immediately. And you can and just how people find these things, a lot of times it's by accident, but it's just so fascinating to kind of see those seams and see where things uh, have come together the my favorite one of those is and this is like so almost corny by now in some ways because like i it's one of the things like i assume everyone's watched this video already I, I suspect a big part of our audience has but maybe not everybody everyone should watch the half a press video oh, have you yeah. all have you all watched the half a press video mm-hmm. uh it is by um pan and 2012 on on youtube it's called watch for rolling rocks point five excuse me point five x a presses uh, and if you just search for half a press video, you'll find it. Um, it is a video about, so the, you could speed run games a lot of ways, as Danielle knows. <laughs> One way is to do more than just try to beat it quickly. It's to beat it under, 
certain circumstances. The most obvious one we talked about 100%, where it's like, okay, if someone wants 100%, uh, you know, a, a certain type of game, maybe it's not just they have to beat all the bosses, it's that they have to kill all the enemies and maybe collect all of the collectible weapons and all of the collectibles and unlock all the characters and blah, blah, blah. But there's also ways that you can do it where it's like, I'm going to beat this game without ever, like, Dark Souls is all, players do this a lot, where it's like, I'm going to beat this game without ever leveling up, without ever using a weapon. Uh, extra, extra difficulty. Um, and so there is a version of a Super Mario 64 speedrun, which is, how do I beat this game with the least jumps possible? Hitting the A button the least amount of times. And so to achieve that, in, in the pursuit of that, this, uh, this uh, community realized that you, there are ways in which you could, you could only press the A button halfway. That there is a full button press is a press and a release. And the game recognizes that as, as two different things. And so those are each half of press. And on the way down this fucking rabbit hole of figuring out how to make the least amount of jumps possible, you have to start to dig into the game and understand how it works and start to understand that there are... There's just a moment in this fucking video where he's basically like, all right, sit with me here for a second, because I have to talk to you about parallel dimensions <laughs> and <laughs> how the game like splits its main self into different worlds. And Mario has to fucking do these tricks where he's like passing through parallel dimensions of the main world that you're looking at. It's wild. And that, and that stuff, again, wasn't meant to be seen. It isn't. I, I, you know, I love Nintendo. Nintendo isn't from soft. I don't think that this is some, you know, deep treatise on the ontology of the, the Mario world. Um, <laughs> and yet, and yet it, it suddenly gives this whole game this very, like, absurd, or this very surreal character in a way that somehow it didn't already have, despite being about a red hatted plumber, you know, fighting weird little mushroom monsters but like it really makes it feel that way everyone should watch that video it's like 25 minutes long and it's a fucking trip and it's really well explained again it's called watch for rolling rocks 0.5 xa presses commentated i'm sure i'm sure you will then realize if somehow you're not familiar that you have seen this meme because the the half a press uh, half a press became and remains like a persistent mean in like game culture circles and so like, if, if you haven't filled that gap in, you don't have to yes. watch the whole thing either. Like, if you just watch, like, the half A button press explained, you will at least get, you, you will understand where the rest of this video goes. You should watch the whole thing. It's really good. You should. But, <laughs> yeah. It's up and to he, the player I, choice. I believe that creator has other, other videos, too. It's just amazing. There's just a fucking quote where he just says, but first we need to talk about parallel universes. <laughs> and he's right. You do need to talk about parallel universes first. <laughs> It's very, very because good. Because the parallel universe is where Rob gets all of the cards in one playthrough and doesn't right. have to play The Witcher 1 right. uh, a second time. That's where L.A. Rob lives as well, in a parallel oh. universe. Yeah, L.A. Rob found a way to hack his save and get all the cards the first time. <laughs> yeah, you know he did. <laughs> he just went on fucking Google Image Search. <laughs> he printed it out. It just like has them yeah. over his bedroom wall. Like Why are they so low res, ma'am? I'm not getting what I need out of these. They're like they're like the size of a coffee mug. I can't see shit. There's um I need one that's wall scroll sized. <laughs> there's a restaurant uh not far from our house that has like uh like a, a whole bunch of old timey sort of images on on the outside, but they are clearly just like ripped from google images because you can see and like they're the size of like a, a whole wall and the compression oh my God. you can see the compression and the artifacting it. on the jpeg that they clearly just like hand it off to whoever whatever company you give to like plaster that shit on your wall and like it's incredible because like the and it's not like a consistent quality like you can tell like oh this one they actually found like accidentally they found like the large version of that file and then like oh this one they had like the medium version of that file and you can just see the compression all over the oh, image I love it. and it's my fa- i can't point it out to everyone because not everyone quite understands like like what that means but like i had sort of like a, a technically minded friend over recently i was like okay 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 like this is my favorite thing to point out because it's you're just not gonna believe that someone would actually do this and the moment you see it like the whole wall just like clicks into place like you're oh. looking at like what? What are those images you look at and uh, if you stare like at a magic eye? Image? Yeah, it's like a yeah. magic eye. Where like at first glance you don't notice that like these images are this way, but the moment it's pointed out to you, oh, it's like, I love it, motherfucker. These are compressed images that they just printed <laughs> out and made like the size of a building. God. It's very good. It's fantastic. 
Oh, L.A. Rob has a magic eye. I'll just say that. Um, all right, let's do one more. Uh, this one's a fun one. Uh, this is from Nick K or Night Del Sol on Twitter. Does the genre of the game affect your desire to be a completionist? I still have my drive for Metroidvanias, platformers, and Zelda games, with the exception of Korok Seeds and Heart Pieces from Annoying Minigames. But I don't have it for RPGs anymore. Do we have genre-specific feelings about completionism? Rob, you are nodding. I think I think Rob has some thoughts. Yeah, I mean, like, I am never going... No, immediately I'm like, no, that's bullshit. Uh, I was going to say, I'm never going to care about, like, being completionist in platformers, something like that. But then Tropical Freeze, I, like, totally, like, hit the iceberg because I was like, I can't get the K. Oh. I love it. I just, I can see the K. I can't get it. Why can't I get it? This game is ruined. I might as well not play. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong. But in general, I think I do tend to get really um, – it feels – one in open world open world games and RPGs, it feels like each quest, each uh, mission, at least offers the potential for some sort of interesting story beat to happen. So I will go pursue it. Um, whereas in a lot of more action driven games, platforms and stuff, I tend to be less motivated by the idea of like seeing every secret in a level because uh, one, I know that that requires a different level of like hunting for it. It requires sort of different eyes for the structure of a level than just going to a quest marker and doing what you find there. Uh, and also I just find it more exasperating than fun. Sure. Yeah. And we all know how I feel about immersive Sims. So, uh, those, those are my hundred percent, but and again, it, it comes down to being fun to play with the toys. I just love to play with all of those toys in a good immersive Sim. So I'm like down for, 100%ing stuff, or at least getting very close to it. Uh, we'll see. You know, 98%. Sometimes I kind of use the phrase 98%ing when it's like, oh, there's one thing that just looks really annoying, but I'll pretty much get everything else. So, Patrick, sounds sounds like you have a thought here as well. Uh, yeah, for me, it's like by the like when I reach the end of, you know, I'll do like collectibles within reason uh, uh, as I'm playing through a game. And then when I get to the end, if it's like not a huge lift, like maybe that'll be an incentive to go back. But if it's the si- kind of thing... Where it's like, I beat the game, and like I was pretty diligent about like looking around, but I only collected thirty of three hundred. And it's like, all right, well, fuck you. Like I'm not gonna go back and do that. Um, but it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, I've collected like sixty of seventy. It's like, oh, like okay, and like maybe like they put some real thought into like hiding these in some interesting places, and like I'll be rewarded for like kind of poking around. Um, and, and and so yeah, it's kind of like a. I don't know where, like, the exact, like, sort of tipping point is, but it's, like, a certain percentage where it's, like, I've, I've reasonably found a decent number of them on, like, a, a normal, thoughtful playthrough. I'll, like, try and go sweep up the rest. Um, but if it's the kind of thing where it's, you know, a whole other excavation, then I, I – that usually strikes me as, oh, those are not necessarily collectibles that are as thoughtful. Um, they seem like maybe they're just junk to have you uh, get an achievement. It can actually go the – it can go so hard for me the other way, which is, like – I know, Patrick, you've you've often talked about uh, – Patrick and Danielle, both of you have talked about the joy of collectibles in games when they're well-placed, especially in platformers, whether that's 2D or 3D. The Mario series in Banjo-Kazooie, like, yeah. that is a big part of the – in the, the Donkey Kong – collect the Donkey Kong returns, <laughs> Donkey Kong <laughs> – Yeah, banana, I know what you mean. Banana, you got it. Banana no, freeze. Good. Donkey Kong yeah, banana uh-huh. freeze. <laughs> country. Favorite Donkey ice Kong cream. country. That's the subtitle. I like banana um, freeze. That's good. Me too. Me too. Um, <laughs> it's summertime. I could go for a banana freeze. Yeah. I actually could. That I'm not a big banana flavor person. Anyway. Um, right. But the in, in a lot of instances, that notion of like the draw is the collectibles and figuring out how to get them. Will, and I haven't like worked out in my brain why this divide happens, but a lot of times like, oh, then that game's not for me. But in in the in other cases, when I look at something like Captain Toad, or when I when I looked at like um, Grow Home, was that the first mm-hmm. one? <clears throat> there, I'm like, hell yeah, I'm gonna get all those collectibles because I think the moment to moment stuff feels so rewarding and so fun. And I I maybe just I just don't get the same enjoyment out of most other platformers. Um, but it it will actually make me not play certain games when I'm like, oh, that's the thing that's on offer. Yeah. You know, which is again, it's about that's just a personal taste thing, not a, not a uh, judgment thing. It's all right. Not everybody likes a banana freeze. It's all right. It's, it's true. cool. 
Some people like pineapple. Freezes. I don't. I hate. I like bananas. Me but too. Do not put. But do not put banana flavored things. That's what I'm saying. Oh, wait, is there case. anything worse than like you're at a birthday party? Okay, this happens more when you're a kid. But you're at someone's <laughs> birthday party and like it's fucking sheet cake, and you're like, oh shit, it's like white white cake with like chocolate frosting. It's a yellow cake with chocolate frosting. I'm into that. Take a big slice. It's banana cake. Oh, it's like god damn it. <laughs> I'll eat it if I want it. If I want a banana, I'll eat a fucking banana. Yeah. Thanks. That's fair. I've never had a banana cake. I've just I've had banana cream pie. I've never had you. banana cake. It's, you're it's, Wait, it's fortunate. Are you talking about banana bread? Or are you talking about something else? No, no, no. Banana yeah, cake. Sheet it's cake. Like a, it's like a yellow cake, but with banana flavor. Banana bread can be delicious as long as it's yeah. not too banana y. Banana bread's good. Banana yeah. bread, I'm here for. Banana, yeah, I mean, bread. banana bread? Not as good as pumpkin bread, if I'm being mm. honest. Like, I don't like pumpkin as much. Yeah, pumpkin mm. is bad. Oh, I, I do. don't like pumpkin things. I've never liked pumpkin. You know what I like? I like the process of making pumpkin seeds. Of like salting, like well, pumpkin them seeds out, so, are good. Delicious. Like, uh, pumpkin. I don't like them. I don't like them. I like. I'll make you some pumpkin seeds. I'll get. The, I'll make that right. happen for you. So, okay, so my divide with you is that, like, yeah, pumpkin seeds, fine. We put some salt and pepper on them. You put them in the oven while you're like experience. carving out a pumpkin. A lot have of fun. Have a beer. Oh, love yeah. It. Have like ten beers. Yo, wait, come over like, and like, wait, you put yourself in the beer. oven. Pumpkin beer is amazing. Pumpkin, no, pumpkin beer can go to hell. No, no I don't, yeah. I don't no, like pumpkin yeah. flavor. Oh yeah, it's like the only pump. The only kind of beer I like is pumpkin beer. Huh? That's it. That's because it's bad beer, but you don't like beer, maybe. So I you're don't. like, this non-beer substance is delicious. Okay. That's exactly what it is. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to defend my shitty beer tastes. <laughs> like, it's true. It's okay not to like beer. For sure. Beer is a mm-hmm. weird fucking thing mm-hmm. that, like, I don't know. And I'm it's certainly not, not like beer. a hot monster the way Patrick is. <laughs> oh. Wow. Dude, look, you just can't Lots drink of feelings. Te- you can't drink Takate for six days in a row. A man, a man has his limits. <laughs> Prove it. I just I mean. don't understand what could be better in the LA heat than uh-huh. a delicious ten percent ABV stuff. <laughs> I... Oh God! Nice and heavy, you know. Yeah, which is what you which is what you did actually when we got lunch. Oh, that's true. I love it when a beer is like a blanket. That's what I love. <laughs> oh, this was a bad choice. Has one sip. Nah, this was a good choice. <laughs> By the way, the rest of that day, like, I crushed it. Like, I was on fire. Yeah. Next day, everyone was like, man, I'm really feeling it. I think I'm at the end of my E3 rope. And I was like, I could do this for another week. Where's my Imperial Stout? God. It gave you life. Yeah. I mean, makes sense. It all makes sense. It all comes together. I, I had a lot of smoothies during E3. I didn't have a lot of beer. I had a lot I of just, smoothies. What was the smoothie place you went to? Oh, it was Quench. amazing. It was called Quench, Quench, and it was spelled horribly, but the smoothies were so delicious. And they had I, the uh, good protein powder, the pumpkin protein powder. Was so good. I, I misheard. I, mis- I forgot that the word stout and the word stout were different. And oh. so when you were like with my imperial What did you think stout, I was doing? I thought you had like, like a, a little. Like a gremlin situation? Like a little like imperial, like a weasel, like a little weasel <laughs> hanging out with you that was like all dressed up like an imperial garb. It was his Me friend. Imper- yeah. Like so basically, on his shoulder. You thought I was just like living mouse guard the entire 100%, week. 100%. A hundred percent. I will protect you, your highness. <laughs> exactly. It tracks. You know, we met L.A. Rob. I don't know why we didn't meet your other friend. But right. Weasel King. Yeah. The Weasel, weasel, the weasel King. King. <laughs> the weasel King. Imperial Stout, the Weasel King. Oh, my I God. I love it. Okay, we should probably end this podcast yeah, on that. Yeah, we're off the fucking rails. On so. that note. <laughs> Uh, thank you, folks, for writing in. Of course, if you have questions, uh, whether they're related to completionism or not, you can send them to gamingatvice.com with the subject question. Shoutouts, of course, to Bowen for letting us use his track, Miss You, off the EP Pale Machine. We are on Twitter at Waypoint. We're on Facebook at Waypoint Vice. We're on YouTube at Waypoint Vice. And you can read everything we do at waypoint.vice.com. L.A. Rob, where can we find you on the internet? At Rob Zachney. Perfect. Austin, how about you? Austin underscore Walker. How about you, Patrick? Patrick Lubbock. Amazing. You can find me at Danielle R.I. And I encourage you to be good and be good at it. Peace. Sorry, I'm thinking about that that stoat. (laughs) What would he say? What would your stoat say? Peace. No, he wouldn't. He's a fucking (laughs) imperial stoat. What would he say, Rob? Hmm. Well, how do you have a deep voiced little guy? 
You have a, he's, he's like down here, but he's still he's, imperial. He's in his little uniform. Mr. Rob, I think we should crush the infidels. That's what, <laughs> that's what he says, because he's like yeah. imperial, which is bad. Yeah. I stand for peace. <laughs> oh. Wait, I think that was just Bane, though. I think that was just Bane. It. Rob was Bane. 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 It's, it's just Bane without the fucking mask. You know, Tom Hardy, incredible range. Really, just such like, good range. I know. I can't oh, complain anyway. Including right. an Imperial <laughs> Stout. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>